you want to give us an intro since you're the host today? Yeah, we're here with uh, Ethan Schaefer for episode 80 or something like that. 77, I think. 77. Oh, such a good number. And we're going to focus in today specifically on Ethan's recent trip to Mount Hood. And uh, this is special because it was his first trip and he really seemed to have lived it up. So we're all going to hopefully hear some great stories today and get to live vicariously through his memories. Yeah. Dan, I got to say, when you sent me that DM and you said, hey, how about I reverse interview you and I ask you about your trip to Mount Hood? I'm going to tell you, I did not expect that at all. I really didn't. It was uh, it was a very pleasant surprise. Yeah, a fun little switch up. Um, I haven't done any hosting things in the past. So forgive me that I, I haven't done as much uh, research as you uh, have in preparation. But Really what it comes down to is I'm just trying to hear about the good times because I missed out on them this year. Uh, looked like one of the best springs at Hood. And, uh, you know, I just want to hear more about it. All right, host, what do you want to know? Okay. So this was, just to reiterate, this was your first trip out to Hood, correct? So last year, I went out to Oregon with my dad and younger sister. And we stayed, we did Mount Bachelor, then we stayed at Govey for a few days in an Airbnb, but this was the first proper drive out there alone, camp in the woods the whole time. So yeah, I would say this is my first spring pass trip. Yeah. Okay. And there's a distinct difference there for sure. So I'm glad you made it. All right. So let's start with the drive out. How did you decide that you were going to drive instead of fly? Well, so that's a good question. Actually, all year I was looking at Airbnbs. I was like, okay, got this business credit card with two planker. You know, let's write off some business expenses and just rent an Airbnb and Govy. But those were like, they were like thirty three hundred for the month, and I was like, okay, this this is ain't, this ain't working. And then I had jobs coming up in May, and uh, so it just wasn't working. But then we get to May, and I'm talking to Caleb from Sword of Snow, and he's saying he's going out to Hood, and this is all in the episode. And I'm like, damn, I really want to go. Like, I got to figure this out. I already put like six thousand miles on my on my personal car, like, and it's almost at a hundred. And I was just like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I was very iffy about it. And then my sister was going out to Colorado. So she was like, Hey, I'm going to be gone. I struck a deal with her. I'm like, Ella, can I use your car? And I'll like get you something for it. She's like, you give me a cargo thing for the roof of my car. You could use my car to go out to Mount hood. So I was like, boom, there's the car right there. Don't have to put the miles on my car. And, um, it's funny. I was talking to Ryan Barrick about this, just, kind of the magic of Mount Hood. And so two years ago, I built a bed platform for my car and uh, I never used it. It was just after a trip in 2020. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try this out in, in my sister's car. And it fit like a glove. It fit better than it fit in my car. So I was like, <laughs> it, was meant to, it was meant to be, man. It was meant to be. So I had work on the 16th, did lacrosse at this private school in Connecticut and then loaded up my car and then headed out on the 17th. And uh, yeah, we can go from there. But that was the that was the decision process going into it. Yeah, you, you, there were some things that worked out in your favor, especially your sister's car, sounds like. And what is uh, what does she drive? What was she, your vehicle? She drives a Nissan Rogue. I drive an Audi Q5. So I was extremely reluctant to put the miles and do that expensive gas on my car again. It was, it was an expensive winter driving around on that thing. 
Yeah. The, so the Rogue had the right space for you, that's for sure. And driving from Connecticut, what's that haul? That's got to be 35 or 40 or, or 45 hours. I'm not even sure. Yeah, we were looking at 40 plus hours. I'm trying to remember it all so I can give it to you right. 40 plus hours. This winter when I drove out to X Games, I drove through took the Kansas city route. I don't know which, I don't know which highway that is, but I did like the going to X games. I did the most direct route, maybe I 80. That was Cleveland, Kansas city through Kansas, through Denver, all that. So this time I was like, dude, I, I got to see something different. So I, I wanted to do the northerly route there and back. So I did on the way out that first day, I left my house at 5 AM and I drove to Madison, Wisconsin that day. So that was like a 16-hour haul, dude. I was <laughs> – I just woke up and I went for it and I listened to music all the way through Pennsylvania and then I got to Ohio by lunchtime and that's when I started throwing on the audiobooks. I did a Lewis and Clark audiobook on the way out. I had to get in the mood, you know? You were really going out west, man. You were on your exploration right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so great. I, I pulled up lunch in Ohio saw the sunset in Chicago and uh, I mean, dude, you're from the Northeast. Like Chicago seems like it's far away. And then when you realize you could drive there in a day, it was nuts. Yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you the highlights. So made it to Madison, Wisconsin so, the first day. So staying in Madison, was that really just a decision based on how many hours you were planning to be on the road or did you have people there you want to stay yeah. with? I just wanted to get out of the East coast as fast as possible. And I had never been to Wisconsin before. So I was just like, Let's just send it. Like we're gonna try to cover as many miles as possible. Pulled into a KOA super late at night and just set up the car camp. Bada bing, bada boom. Went to sleep and then woke up super early that next morning and uh, and explored Madison a little bit. But uh, dude, it was like a mission just to get west of the Mississippi River. Like I wasn't. Like, I was just trying to get across the Mississippi as fast as possible. Um, that next day, drove through all of Iowa. And uh, in Minnesota, had never been to Minnesota, got pulled over there, got another speeding ticket. Horrible. I like past six months, all these road trips. I'm doing bad, Dan. I'm doing bad. And I think this one, I think this one taught me my lesson. Okay. Yeah. You, you don't want to be racking up those tickets because with the out of state ones, especially, you can't just go fight them the way you can at home. You know, you're not pleading not guilty because you're not taking the trip to go to court. Yeah, exactly. And that was May 18th. And my birthday is May 19th. And the guy's like, where are you heading? And I was like, dude, I'm heading to Badlands. It's my birthday tomorrow. And uh, what did he say? He told me he was like, well, I hope you don't beat the shit out of me when you see me tomorrow because I'm also going to be at Badlands, but I'm still giving you this ticket. <laughs> I was like, brutal, man. He didn't show me any mercy. He didn't show me any mercy at all. But um, I get uh, birthdays for me. They're very sentimental, very reflective, pretty emotional. It's just like time marches on no matter what you do. So uh, I was on my way to Pipestone, which was this national monument in uh, western Minnesota. Had a very special moment there. Watched the sunset there. A little pissed off about the ticket, but it was all right. And then, dude, and then did some more camping on my birthday. Went to Badlands, tracked down some bison, saw some wildlife. And then, uh, man, it's just a long journey. Yeah. Then just plowed through Montana, plowed through Oregon, pulled up in Oregon. This is where the story gets more interesting. Pulled to Oregon. I checked the weather up in Govey and it was like, 
low 30s. And I had to convert my whole car from camping to skiing. So I was like, screw this. I'm not going to do it. Stayed at Cascade Locks, which is right on the river, and uh, posted up there for the night. And I looked at the weather the next day. It was going to be bad at Timberline. So I hit up Jake Dubay, and uh, and we set up a, a tour of the K2 factory. So that, so I drive cross country. First thing I do when I get there is drive to Seattle. Don't even, yeah. don't even go to Mount Hood. <laughs> It's crazy after taking that big road trip how um, how short a four hour drive feels. You get out there or a three and a half. You're like, oh yeah, I'll just go up to Seattle now. It's no big deal. Yeah, exactly. And I think about how soft I am in Connecticut sometimes. Like I got to drive out to Yukon, which is just like probably a fifty minute drive to check on some stuff out there. And it's just like, dude, that's nothing. That's like a, just a drive to lunch when you're on a road trip. You know, like oh, fifty minutes out of the way, whatever. Yeah, the West Coast Zen style really just like expands you. You you're able to. I, it's the same as like if you're going to go to Utah from from Hood, and it's like, oh yeah, just a short drive, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, it's like what thirteen hours from Hood to Salt Lake or something ridiculous. <laughs> Not. <laughs> yeah. So, so I get there, and dude, I go straight up to to Seattle, see Dubai, and. Uh, trying to think he's probably i can count on my hands how many guests that i've interviewed over zoom that i've met in person you know so it's still a really cool unique awesome amazing experience when i pull up and i'm like yo you're the guy on the other half of the zoom like i know your whole life story like and it's the same thing every time fast friends right away because it's like we already know each other you know yeah So, so i parked at jake's house and he gave me a whole tour of the k2 whatever it is, K2, MDV, whatever the huge conglomerate is. They got ride snowboards in there. They got all sorts of crap. But he gave me the whole rundown, gave me a ton of free stuff, dude. What else did we do in there? I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. Showed me some of the stuff coming up, some of the new top sheets, (laughs) some of the cool shit that's coming out. Okay. Yeah. And then we went to this big storage room. They had probably 25 years of ski magazines that I'm trying to get him to send me. We had uh, step DVDs that were in unopened, like still the protective plastic wrap on them. What else do we have, man? It was just cool. It was, cool. It was just a cool office. It was just a great experience. I'm kind of bad at recounting stories because unless it's like a clear rising climax and falling action, my instinct is just say it was so cool and it was so fun but that's really what it was it was just so cool and that's all we're here for we just want to get to go through that journey because we we all know that the journey is the destination and we we love these details and it's great to hear that lions holding on to all this different history over there because they have been in the seattle offices for such a long time probably since 2006 or 7 i believe yeah so, um, couple different people have been running the show over there over the years but there's a lot of things that i'm sure have collected over there and it's it's dope that you got to go and appreciate it yeah it was great i just felt like um i don't know it's gonna be a running theme through this whole this whole story like i just felt so well taken care of the whole time like just everywhere i turned there was somebody willing to help and like just do something kind so i mean before i even left i was hitting up ryan barrick and i'm like and he's you know Owen Dahlberg calls him the king of spring pass. Mr. Spring pass is what he was calling him. And it's just like, yeah, he gave me the whole rundown, dude. He's like, yeah, you're going to camp here. We're going to pull up at the state. This is the drive to, to site each day. It's like, boom, perfect. I don't have to do any planning. I just have to rely on a friend. 
Then I go up to Seattle. I see Dubay, and he's a he's a Timberline guy. At one point in his life, now a Seattle guy, obviously. And he's like, dude, you need all these clothes for camping. Let's get you some lined booties. Let's get you some lined sweatpants. Let's get you some lined sweatshirts. Here's more stickers than you'll ever use in your entire life. Here's some <laughs> poles that you can that I end up trading. Sorry, Jake. But uh yeah, it was it was really awesome. And then uh and then it was back to Mount Hood. And I was like, okay, now we're actually in spring pass mode. Pull up to Mount Hood late in the day. It was like 5 p.m., 5 or 6 p.m. And you know what that means at Spring Pass. That means that people are spread all over the place. No one is no one is at camp at 5 or 6 p.m. So, yeah, kind of a tough spot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough time to show up. So I showed up, and uh, Ryan dropped me the pin, and I couldn't find the campsite. I just drove around like an idiot around Lolo with no service trying to find it. And uh, – so I was like, you know what? Whatever. No, everyone's busy right now. I'm going to drive up to Timberline because I – something about historic hotels. I don't know if you've ever been to Yosemite, but the Awani in Yosemite is a very similar vibe. It's just something about it. Love the history. So I like to spend a little bit of time at the lodge. Went up there, read some placards, and I was like, okay, an hour has passed of me reading history at this lodge while everyone else is staying here and drinking and eating. Let's try to find everyone. And – uh Pulled up. And so I went back down to Lolo, pulled up, and then I finally found it. And you know what the site looks like there. It's a bunch of tarps hung up, a bunch of tents. And then Ryan's RV is just parked in like this impossible parking spot right in the middle of it all. Chris Bechtold's there with Raina. Their dog's running around. And uh, it was just great, man. It was a great, it was, it was great showing up and being like, okay, we're here. And then it all unfolded yeah. from there. That was like the, that was the arrival. Okay, sounds like you're in a good zone with an excellent crew. About how many people were you camping with? So it grew. That's for sure. The first night, so obviously everyone shows up. Blah blah blah. First night was probably twenty people, fifteen, twenty people. Mm-hmm. And you know, and you know, Chris Function. He's like a camp counselor, dude. So we're sitting there. And he's essentially, uh, I'm trying to think of it. He's doing like riddles. He's doing like word games. And it's just, I don't know. If I, I grew up going to day camp at summer camp. He's a camp counselor, dude. He's like, okay, well, all 20 of us are hanging out. Let's play a game together. Let's do this together. And it's just, yeah. I just haven't seen that in many years. So it was very fun to see. And it's it is such a a special part of the experience out of hood because you don't have phone service where you're camping, yeah. so it's it's a lot easier for people to get involved in the, those types of situations and, and like be welcoming to what Chris was trying to bring on because you're not looking down at something you're not trying to check Instagram you're able without distraction just to be fully present. Yeah, and that allows relationships to just develop so quickly while you're out there. Yeah, dude. I think I mean, and that's one of the first things that we notice immediately. Like, and this is something I actually want to talk about. Like in college, I used to go on these volunteer trips, and uh, it would be like every break we'd go somewhere else, and it would be like a third world country. And obviously, you got no, you got no cell service, you got no nothing. 
So it's just like it brings you back in time. And obviously, you have no responsibilities. So this is a, hu- a huge underlying thing in this is you have a week of no responsibilities. But it's like, okay, we're done for the day. Now we have like six to eight hours to do whatever we want. And one of those things does not involve going on the internet and watching videos and like hanging out. So it's just like there's nothing to do but talk to the person to the left and right of you and just get to know each other. And then, you know what? Hey, he wants to play this game while there's nothing else to do. So might as well just do it, you know, just like and you just, you know, I don't know. It's it's really fun. It's just like camp, but it's also what happens when no one has their phone to distract them. Like you just sit around and, and you just kill time together. And uh, I always think about that. Like what would things be if people were first were forced continue because people were, were bored for years and years and years. That's how, you know, a lot of great creative things came up, but now no one's bored anymore. And uh, I don't know, like maybe if everyone was on their phones, they wouldn't have been receptive to uh, to doing interviews in the RV, you know, because there's better stuff to do. There's more comfortable things to do, but we can get to that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So like you said, there's so much time after skiing before sleeping that you're you're I guess your boredom does lead you to to fill it, you know, you we should get into some of your favorite uh, prey activities. Um, but first let's, let's talk about getting up on Hill. Let's, let's hear about how T line was hitting. Yeah, dude, T line was, T line was hitting pretty good. So we wake up next morning, Ryan, Bar- Ryan Barrick wakes me up 7:30 AM tapping on my car window. We load up the car, we head up and, uh, I think that was his second day back on Hill after taking a break. So at, and there's a lot of people showing up at the same time as me, so we we're all getting ready. The snow was actually worse than it was last year, despite like a historic snow year for pretty much everywhere else. And uh, dude, great park setup at fir- first couple of days. They had three jumps in a row, and then how many how many rail lines did they have? They had like five sections of rails, six sections of rails. Dude, it's the beautiful thing is people don't you don't need any explanation when you show up. You go to you go to Norman. And you just lap the park all day, and that's it. And if you get left behind for a lap, you wait, and then everyone catches up to you, and you ride with them. If you want to go ahead, you go ahead. And uh, I was actually on my way out. I was trying to recount what we did, just thinking. And every day was so similar and so much fun that everything just blended blended in with each other. It's just wake up, go to the hill, hang out in the parking lot, and then either go to a bar or go back to the campsite and do your thing. And it's just that every day for seven days. And, uh, it was beautiful. It was just, it was, it's just an amazing experience, man. I know, you know, it, and I, I wish I was more poetic and could put things into words better, but it's just, it's so simple. It's just it's, like, you, yeah. Paradise doesn't need to be complex, man. It, it sounds like heaven to all of us here. listening for sure. You wake up, you ski, you hang out with your best homies and go to bed and do it again. There's, there's no responsibilities you have to stress about. There's no distractions. You just get to be present and enjoy one of the things that we all love most. And it's the beauty of it. Yeah. Um, And I think, dude, and the, and the great thing is there's no, like that week I probably made like a dozen decisions total. Like there's not a big, Oh, what are we going to do today? Oh, what would be fun? It's like, no, there's like one run to ride. And then if you want, you can go up to Illumination, which we did one day. But like that's like the only decision you're really making the whole week. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
yeah, there's just some dude, there's just something so great and simple about it. But uh yeah, it's just it's it's awesome. I haven't been in this environment in a while, and I think that's why it was so it was so amazing, you know? Like I think uh yeah, this we can really we can go we can get some history. I think this trip and this the reason I messaged you and wanted to tell you about how great it was. It's just it's something I hadn't experienced in years, man. In years. Like back in high school, and a lot of people can relate to this. Dude, if you're a skier in high school, pretty much any high school in America, you're you're a little bit of the odd man out in terms of your interests. You don't have a ton of friends. Like I, obviously, I had a, I had a, I had a ton of friends outside of skiing at my high school, but you don't have a ton of friends inside of skiing, growing up. So, but you have friends at your local hill, and from the beginning, I recognized the power of skiing. I real I recognized like, hey, whoa, this is kind of weird. I'm a freshman in high school, and I'm friends with this senior that goes to a private school that's like 45 minutes away from me. Like I would have never met him under any other circumstances. And it doesn't matter that he's about to go into college. It doesn't matter that I was just in eighth grade last year. Like we're, we're buds, (laughs) you know, there's no question about it. So that's a really magical experience. And so that was like, it was, this trip was a reminder of that. Like just how powerful having a shared interest is with somebody. And then the other thing was like, I was telling you about those volunteer trips that I would do. There was this one in 2017 and it was, it felt like it was so similar to this trip. And, uh, it was in 2017, we went to Laos and, uh, we were basically, we were in this like village on the river for two weeks. If anybody listens to the Annabelle episode that's coming out tomorrow, but before this episode comes out, if anybody listened to the Annabelle episode, I talked about it a little bit, but we're on a village and, uh, we just wake up, we all eat breakfast together. We go to this work site. We either do a little construction, teach a little English. After that, we go swim in the river and then just hang out for the rest of the day. And, uh, my phone was dead that whole trip. Um, and it was, I, I was, <laughs> you're going to love, people will love this one. There were 40 people in the group and the guy to girl ratio, it was me and one other guy. And the 38 other people were girls. So that certainly helped this trip. But <laughs> but uh, no, our daily schedule was just super simple. A lot of hanging out, a lot of talking to people. You're disconnected from everything. And when I left that trip, I was heartbroken. Because it was like, I don't know if you've ever had this, but there's sometimes you look around in life and you go, I could do this every single day for the rest of my life, you know? You're just like, I, I love what I'm doing right now. There's nothing I would change. And that's how I felt after that trip. So when I left, it was just trying to recapture that feeling for like ever. That was in 2017. It was like, it was years that I was like, what was that little bit of magic that was like so special and so inspiring? And this trip, this trip to hood was that exact same feeling. So I'm getting closer to figuring out what was special about it. But uh, it it was it was literally a feeling I hadn't felt in probably like six years of just like, oh my God, I like, there's nowhere else I'd rather be right now. It's amazing, dude. <laughs> I'm glad you're recapturing some of that and learning more about it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's super special. Um, so coming back into the hood thing, let's, uh, let's go through, I guess, in a sense, like you're, 
you said every day kind of felt like the same, but I know you must have been doing different stuff. Yeah. Um, pretty after skiing, for those who haven't been the hood, you're going to hang out in the parking lot for a bit and let your stuff dry off. I imagine you're getting involved in that. Yeah, dude. Of course, we would have a lot of lot of hanging out in the parking lot afterwards. A lot of beers sipped and a lot of snacks. Dogs running around. Different crews. You look around. There's different islands of crews doing their own thing. You send a representative to the other crew to go check in, see what's going on. And yeah. uh, and me and Ryan were talking about this, dude. That first episode we released from the Hood Files. It's just like if you're out there, there's just a base level of respect. It's just like you made it out here, and so you're our friend no matter what. You come over, hey, you guys have a lighter, hey, you come over, oh, you guys got some hot dogs, you got, oh, you guys are grilling, can we use your grill for a little bit? It's just awesome, and like that was, I would say that was the most consistent thing we did every day was hang out in the lot afterwards. You know, on hill, whatever you're filming something, you're trying to land a certain trick. Maybe you're going somewhere else, like going up to illumination or you know whatever, taking a chill day. But the one thing that is consistent is that you are hanging out in the lot afterwards and just killing time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no rush to get back. Oh, hell no. No rush at all, dude. You're hanging out in the sun. The wind could get a little bit bad for sure, but you yeah. got to make a kind of a, you got to make a shelter with your car. Um, dude. And then that's where the scheming takes place. That's where you're, that's what, my favorite question that I like to ask jokingly when we're out doing stuff is what's the move? Cause there's always the guy asking, well, what's the move after this? And, uh, yeah. but that is the question a lot. It's like, what the hell are we doing for the rest of the night? So the three <laughs> options that we took part in, what do we do? One day we went to pub 26, played some cornhole. That was awesome. <laughs> then we went to rat Skeller for a little birthday celebration. Classic. More corn- pizza, pizza, and more cornhole. Uh, okay. And then the last day, and this is jumping way ahead in the timeline. Last day we went to the DIY skate park for like some big skate thing, and that was. You ever been there? That thing was unreal. No, I have not been to the DIY park. Oh, it's like right down the road from Govey. It's like some like timber. It's like some uh, power line access road or something with all these DIY skate features and dude, it was, it was packed easily hundreds of people. And you're just on this little like narrow roadway and it is, dude, it's insane. It was, it was insanity. It was loud. There was a live band. There's people skating (laughs) everywhere. It was chaos, dude. It makes you real. It made me realize just how soft skiing can be at times. Like, (laughs) like I haven't been to a skate event since I was young, dude, you do not, like skiing, you land your tricks like most of the time. Dude, skating, it's like a celebration when you land your trick because it's that infrequent. Like people are eating shit all the time, skateboarding. Like all the fucking time. Straight, straight to concrete or asphalt. It's it's never a good time. Yeah. yeah. They're just yeah, they're just way harder than we are. We're like, oh, I kind of washed out that landing. Oh, the slush is horrible. It's like, dude, they're literally landing on concrete every single run. Like every yeah. hit, it's like if you don't stick it, you're falling on like the hardest surface ever. Terrible. Oh, yeah, it is tough. Did you did, did you get to explore any of the other skate parks in the area? Both the Wendell's Park and the Hood River one are highly regarded. Yeah, I didn't. Well, I'm not I'm not a skateboarder personally. I don't skate. So 
I, I wasn't pushing for it and no one in my group was really pushing for it. So I didn't really see any of the other skate scene. I'm more of a show up and hang out at the skate park type of guy, you know? And when I was younger, I would show up and film. I was never trying to fall. Never. Uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, what about nature wise? Did you um, get into some of the hikes in the area? Dude, I don't, I just missed it for some reason. Every time we were doing something else, Chris, camp counselor, Chris was doing plenty of hiking. Him and Raina yeah. had some beaches they knew of. Um, I mean, Chris has been there for 12 years, so he knows like everything in the area. But I just I, I just missed the hiking, and it's great. I, I, I always say you got to leave them wanting more. And I left being like, damn, there's still so much to explore and so much to do and so many little roads to go down. Yeah, absolutely. There's, like you said, more things for you to do next time you go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about illumination a little bit. First of all, I'm going to flip the script and get back in my comfort, my comfortable point of view as, as a, as the host, I'm reclaiming host. Have you been up to illumination before? I have had, uh, I think I know one trip to illumination, maybe two. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, I have, I have definitely been up to illumination I can't remember if it's once or twice. Uh, I definitely like black out for that 45 minute boot pack or whatever it is. Like, I'm not trying to remember that shit. Like once you're up there, it is something special. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'm going to give the host cap back to you. So I'll tell my story. So it was like our, it was our second night at camp. So we had like the, my arrival night, Chris is, Chris is doing his thing. First day of skiing. And then we're, so it's the second night at camp. And uh, Barkley's talking and he's saying, dude, we're going up to illumination tomorrow. It's the best, it's the best weather window, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, listen, I've gone on a hike before and I've seen the sunset before. There's no way that this is the best use of my time tomorrow because I, I hate boot. I hate boot packing with skis on my back. It's such a pain in the ass. dude. It's so annoying. Yeah. And uh there's something about him. He, he is incredibly persuasive and everyone was just like, nah, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. And I'm the way I convince myself to do stuff like that is I'm, I am incredibly lazy, but I'm also stubborn and won't quit. So once I commit to something, I just do it. Cause I'm just like, I'm too damn stubborn to ever stop. So I just, it's like jumping off a cliff, dude. It's just like, you have a moment where you shut your brain off and then you just agree to it. And then it's like, well, shit, that's what we're doing tomorrow. Like we're hiking tomorrow. And yeah, except for fall seconds, you had to hike for about an hour. So that's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Dude, so <laughs> I just hate bootpacking, dude. I hate bootpacking so much. So we uh yeah, that next day, I don't know if we stayed up particularly late or something. No, what we did was committed to the illumination hike. The next morning, we wanted to save our energy. So me and Ryan we broke the seal of podcasting in the RV, which was huge because once you get one interview done, the, the rest come easy. But it's just like you got to get over that first hurdle. So it was great to do it with someone I was completely completely comfortable with. So we spent the morning doing that, get to the mountain, eat some nachos, take the last, the last Palmer lift up. We get to the top. Ryan has a shovel. And what, what does the lifty say when he sees you with the shovel? Wait, wait. First – First question here is just for everybody listening. What time is that last Palmer lift? 
Oh yeah, that's a, that's actually good context. I believe it was like one thirty p.m. that day or something, something pretty early in the day. Maybe one, yeah, like one one thirty p.m. Okay, so you're getting off at this top of the lift to make your hike easier because that that chair closes earlier than the other chairs. Yes. Right. Yeah. And uh, and uh, took a show on the chair. So I, I want I want to throw in something about missing the chair. So last year I was there. And uh, it was me, Ryan, maybe Otto, and somebody else on the lift. And the lift breaks. And they're like, okay, well, you're already on the lift, so we're going to just, like, diesel run it to the top. So we have all these people throwing us their bags. And then you're seeing, like – and then we're going up, and you're seeing, like, Ethan Swadberg bootpacking from the bottom of of Palmer with a full overnight pack on. And it's like, dude, the Palmer lift – I don't even know how long how long it is. Half a mile long, maybe, but it's long, dude. So if you don't get on that lift, you're screwed because that is a long ass hike. And I can tell you for mm-hmm. sure, I would never in my life be doing that. No, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Just no chance. And hiking from the parking lot, people were saying it's like six hours. Just no chance. Absolutely zero chance. It's, you could take two chairs and make it. A forty-five minute walk. <laughs> I, well, I would never hike from the parking lot, no matter if it was this. I would miss it for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, fast forward to this year, we get to Palmer, we go up mile, and we got this. We got this toughy shovel with us, and uh, we get to the bottom of Palmer, and they're like, "Hold up, pal! No shovels on the lift." <laughs> so, so. We quickly strike a deal with them. All right, we'll leave it. We'll leave it inside the hut, and then we hit up everybody else in our group. Yo, you know, put a jacket or something over your shovel. So we end up getting to the top of Palmer with like two two solid shovels and an avalanche shovel, and then we get up there. It's a big crew, big crew of skiers, like a lot of people from our camp, some people from not from our camp, and then a huge crew of snowboarders. And dude, we start hiking. I hated the hike just as much as I thought I would. I never enjoy hiking. And uh, there's that one ex- very steep part in the hike that is not fun at all. And it's like right before you get into an open field where there's like no there's no landmarks or anything. There's like a few landmarks, but no easy break stops. But um, yeah, we timed it out. It was like 55 minutes of hiking. And then you traverse over. And then boom, you're there for like seven hours, dude. It's it's a good it's a good work to hang out ratio. Cause I think we stayed there from like two PM to sunset, whenever sunset was, eight thirty, eight forty five, nine. And dude, we were just hanging out yeah. there all day. It was uh long mission. Long mission, dude. Long mission mission first of its kind. And uh for me, I'm just a tourist up there, dude. I'm not on some filming mission. I'm not going to throw something big off the jump. I'm there to hang out and eat this, like, plastic charcuterie board that I bought. Uh, we get up there, dude. The people got that dog in them, dude. They start building immediately. Like, after hiking, the first thing they do, oh, great, I just hiked an hour. Let me start building for an hour and a half. And, dude, once that jump was firing, it was... Uh, it was just sick, dude. People are so incredible. Like people that are good at skiing are just so incredible to be around. It's it's really, it's really something otherworldly. It's like, damn, like first hit, Barkley, you're doing Misty Seven off that. What the fuck is wrong? Yeah, <laughs> <Just warm. laughs> yeah dude. So 
We just hang out. It's just it's just a wonderful time. You get to everything in this. Like there's no the reason I was a little at first I was like, what do I even talk about? It's because none of these have like a big epic rising action. It's just like, yeah, we went up there and hung out all day and I got to know people and and drink and eat and take some videos, hit the jump. And uh, it's just great. Like, you know, people love drama. There was no drama involved with that. It was just a wonderful time. Something to tie into this for the audience to maybe appreciate. Uh, if they don't already know, this Illumination Rock jump is a traditional spot for a jump. And they probably have seen it in ON3P3. Mm-hmm. This, um, this jump section, I remember in that video, Magnus is going off, all Lucas, everybody that is in that video is having this session on the on the Illumination Rock jump specifically. And it's, it's a special place because other jump spots on, on Hood, there's never like an audience there. It's more of like a, you go there for a jump with Illumination Rock. So many people go there for the view, for the sunset, for the vibe that, you know, maybe you have those 15, 20 people that are there, like they're they're on a jump mission, but then you can have, you know, depending on the day, depending on the weather, 30, 50, 100 or more other people that are there just to enjoy it and now become an audience for the jump and it just elevates the vibe like to another level. Yeah, dude. And if you got a speaker with some music playing up there and you got people cheering and you got people ripping follow cams and you got people taking photos of everything. It's just, uh, it's just, it's I, me and Ryan kept on saying, it's just a magical experience. Like there's something about hood that's just magical and it feels otherworldly. And we have this video coming out of this slush game between like the two best girls at the mountain and I'm rewatching it. And I'm looking back and it's like, was any of that even real? That's honestly, that's honestly what it feels like. It's like, it's so disconnected from everyday life and it's so abnormal and it's so wonderful. And you're just like, is that even like, it doesn't even feel like it was real. It was, uh, it was cool. And then, so I'm sitting there taking videos, taking photos, whatever. And I'm like, uh, maybe I'll hit the jump. Maybe not. And then Ryan's like, dude, you gotta hit the jump. And I'm like, all right, well, if I'm hitting it, I'm going to like spin off of it. I haven't hit it. I haven't, I mean, I've hit jumps, but I haven't spun off a jump this entire season. I've just been riding all mountain mainly solo and uh so i was like whatever i'll throw my first three of the season off the jump did it landed it and i was like perfect i don't need to hike anymore i could just (laughs) first first tee i'm good i'm good so that was great i'm glad uh dude the the, such great peer pressure in the ski community it's just like you don't want to do it all right well fucking do it anyways and then you do it and then you're so happy you do it that's so great yeah you caught a bit of that magic man yeah it's uh it's awesome dude it's just an awesome experience i just love the people i love the environment it's just so like you know sometimes in life you know like i work the nature of my job i go to i go to like football games and these big events and it's like okay tom brady's like six feet away right there keep it cool play it cool so, like, in the back of my mind, it's like anytime something incredible happens, it's like, hey, listen, pal, act like you've been here before. But this trip, I was like, fuck it. I haven't been here before. And this is awesome, you know? So, the whole time, I just feel like a little kid, dude. Even right now. Like, right now, I'm definitely not playing it cool. Like, I loved it. It was an awesome experience. Like, I'm not 
I'm not worried about anything being perceived as cool. I was geeking. This shit was awesome. Oh yeah. And you're what you're understanding then it is why there's a lot of people who have been there year after year after year after year. You're getting into double digits. There's there's tons of people that have pulled 10 consecutive spring passes or summers on hood because you can't get that anywhere else. You really can't. It's like it, you can't dude. You just, it's just, I, I mean, you could find it other places, but I have not easily found them. Like I've been searching for something like this for like six years, like I was saying. And it's just like, I'm just accidentally refining it, even though everyone says how amazing spring pass is. But then you get people like, Pepe, and excuse me, Pepe, but I forget your last name. But like, he went out with with Chris and and uh, and all them, and he just stayed there. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna move here. Like, Spring Pass is great. I'm I'm just gonna live out here now. <laughs> why go home? <laughs> why go home? Like, why does the party ever have to end? To be fair, I don't know what I don't know what the woods in Oregon is like in the middle of winter. I'm sure it's a little grim, considering May can have some bad weather. But, uh, dude, yeah. just. Yeah, it's just it's it's really magical. It's like being it is it is it is that same childlike sense of wonder where you're like anything is possible. Like if this can exist out here in the middle of the woods, we like like us working together, we could achieve this that and the other thing. It really makes you think like oh anything anything is possible, and that and that's how I felt leaving that trip all those years ago, and that's how I felt leaving this trip. It's like, it's just, it's just incredible. Like it is, it is incredible. And you see something like that and you experience something like that. And it just get it. Not that I'm a hopeless person, but it gives you hope that like, oh shit, there's so many great things out there to be uncovered, you know? And it's just a remind, a tangible reminder of it. And, uh, back to illumination We're up there, people are building the jump. They start hitting it and then clouds roll in. And those clouds can be unforgiving, dude. They could bring in hail. They could bring in rain. They could completely ruin your sunset. And, dude, Ryan is just uh, – he just holds on to the good vibes. He's like, nah, trust. We're going to stay up here. It's all going to work out. Sun starts to set. Clouds clear out. Snowboarders leave. And it's just like our crew up there. And uh, we just post on that ridge, listen to some music, and just hang out. And uh, just a beautiful, wonderful sunset. And then you get to ride down in that twilight, that purple sky. <sighs> Unreal, yeah. dude. Yeah, that ride down is something else after you've been chilling up at the rock for six hours or so. And it's a long, long ski down because it's it's that whole amount that you hiked and then like two chairs worth. I remember my thighs been like crazy going to the parking lot. <laughs> And it's it's also tricky snow because it's it was you know most likely a slushy day and it's starting to freeze over so sometimes you get a little bit of a crust on slush situation. Yeah, dude, great ride down, hat off, glasses off, just riding down with the wind in your face. People taking videos, obviously. Um, trying to think what I was thinking about. Um, just oh, this is this was a funny thought I had up there. So we're sitting there watching the sunset and I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking about all the great videos I've seen and all the things I've tried to capture this. And uh, (laughs) I said out loud, I see why the bunch 
puts shit like this in their movies. Like you're seeing something so beautiful and it's just you guys up there. And it's like, yeah, you want to try to capture it. And maybe they put a little bit too much of it in there sometimes, but it's like, I get it now. I get like, you just, you want it. You want to try to convey that feeling in that beautiful moment. And it's just like, you know, that the sunset's beautiful. You had a beautiful time. And it's just like, you want to try to capture that feeling and share it with the audience. Uh, but you can't. Dude, you really just it there's nothing that conveys it. There's nothing like no amount of music and proper editing can fully convey just like just that feeling. Yeah. It was great. And I believe me, going before I went up there, I was like, listen, pal, I've seen sunsets before. Like, I get it. Oh, it's a beautiful sunset. Oh, it's so pretty. Oh, it's so magical. No, 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 no. Listen, I could be <laughs> I could be I could be a Grinch sometimes and be like, oh yeah, I'm sure it was great. No. It was actually that great. <laughs> I'm glad that you just decided to trust Ryan and you ended up there. Yeah, dude. It was it was really Barkley was the one that sold it. He's just a he's just a smooth talking guy from Alaska. I don't know what they're teaching them up there, but uh it was it was great. It was great. And uh you know, and then it was just all and then just down on the hill it was all the same it was all the joys of skiing that everyone's always always loved, but it's with people that you've never met before, which is which adds that special spark. You know, it's like going on a first date and then having that spark with someone that you didn't expect. You know, so it's like you're trying to land new tricks, you're trying to get clips, you're happy for people when it goes well, you feel sad with them when it doesn't. You know, you're laughing, you're eating lunch together. It's just great. It's just a wonderful experience. So you said up at Illumination Rock, you uh, you landed your first three of the season down in the park. How was your progression looking compared to the rest of the season? Were you pushing yourself? Are you playing it safe? Something in between? Well, okay, that's actually a great question. Thank you for asking. So this season, basically, I ended up stuck. At, I ended up stuck out west because of some relationship stuff, and I had to kind of tread water for a little bit in between X Games and Dew Tour. So I rode alone. The majority of my season was going from mountain to mountain, being like, well, I got nothing else to do, and I've never been to Steamboat before. Let me go there. Oh, I've never been to A Basin before. Let me go there. So it was a lot of just like solo, like, let's just ride every trail at the mountain. There was one day of the season, I rode at Wyndham in New York with my buddy Grant, and it sucked. We woke up at like 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. for no reason. He works construction, so he gets up early. I don't. I wake up at 10 most mornings. And so we went and it sucked. We left pretty early. So we got back to the house at like noon and I'm scrolling on Instagram in my local park, ski sundown there. They got this great setup and I'm like, dude, I've been wanting to land blind fours forever. And I've never really fully like, you know, I went to college and then stopped skiing pretty much. So I was like, I'm going to learn, I'm learning a blind four today. So I go to the mountain, I think I sneak on the lift and uh, just meet up with some buds there learn a blind four. And I was like, boom, that's my only day of park this season. This is great. That was back in like February or something, maybe March. So then I get to hood and I'm like, well, we got to one up it. Shout out to Dan, dude. Lip on, lip on. Blind four. <laughs> so that was what I was working on the whole time. Landed it sketchy on video. Once people could see that video on Instagram, kind of laced it up accidentally once. And, uh, that was my progression. And then I tacoed on the S the S rail to down donkey 
And after that, I was like, I'm good. I'm good riding park in a serious manner for the rest of the trip. I'm just going to take it easy and enjoy myself. So that was kind of the yeah. Perfect. Yeah, you, you pushed yourself early on. You got that like, okay, I, I really did something. You got that lip slide before. And then you kind of had a little speed check situation, tacoing, and it's like, all right, let's just enjoy the rest of the trip. Yeah. You need to make it. No need to, no need to, you know, they always say this at recreational basketball games or soccer. Hey, they're not giving out scholarships. All right. I don't need to, I'm not going hard in the paint. <laughs> right now. But then it brought me back to, dude, I'm telling you, I think this is why this got me so giddy and like, just so like, fuck it. Don't play it cool. Just like tell everyone how much you love it. It brought me back to being a kid again, dude. Cause I would go to the mountain all the time when I was growing up and, uh, and, you know, the kids that want to progress every single day are doing that every day. They're really about that life. They're there showing up, falling, getting back up, landing new tricks. Dude, I was never trying to do that. I was just showing up trying to have fun, get a couple tricks under my belt. So I reverted back to that, and I was like, dude, I'm going to be here every day with you. Why didn't I film you? So I put on my filmer cap for the first time after like 10 years and just was just filming people regularly. Let's get some iPhone clips. Let's get the GoPro out. Let's get the DSLR out. Like, we'll do whatever. And uh, it's just great. It just brings you back to that place where you're like, I have no responsibilities. I have nothing other to do than just film my friend land a trick. That's it, dude. Like how often do you get to do that now? You know? And uh, then we start brainstorming other stuff, dude. I can never, I never, I'm, I'm sure it's obvious to anyone that's listened to this. I get, I like, I gotta be doing something. So we're sitting around we're sitting around at the campfire one night drinking and I'm, and I got my freaking, my circus leader hat on. And I'm like, listen, listen, Annabelle and Liv are the best girls I've seen in the park. Let's have them face off with each other in a slush match. Let's do that tomorrow. Let's film that. We got two GoPros. We got somebody that could ref like, let's do it. So we did it. It was great. It was super fun. It's like, Hey, we're got, we're back at camp. You know, the sun's still out. Everyone's kind of just cooling off for the day. Yo, let's run a podcast. Why not? So just having that freedom of uh, freedom of schedule to just do whatever you want and just get creative and try something new is just awesome. And then once you like, I'm the type of person that it's like I like to achieve something every day and just like you know move the needle forward no matter how small. So dude, you get back, hang out in the parking lot, crush a couple cans, go back, film a podcast, and then mentally I feel like it's like. It's no holds barred. You could do whatever you want for the rest of the night. And, uh, dude, that was our rhythm. And we just got in that rhythm. It was super good, super creative. People were filming. I just love seeing, I just love seeing people create. It's just so fun. Like, even if they're just filming what I would consider to be like a standard edit, just like standard, whatever, like, like trick showcase, pretty much. That's, you know, here's a clip. Here's a clip of skiing. Here's another. Here's another. Like, even if you're just doing that, I'm stoked on that. Of course. Yeah, that's that's the classic. Yeah, you, you got to have that. Um, so about this game between Annabelle and Liv, when are we going to be able to see that soon? Or has it already come out by the time no. this is out? Uh, ooh, that's going to be questionable. It's edited. Like the, the story is there. The, the clips are there. I'm waiting on Barkley to put a put a score to it. So there's like some music keeping you involved. There's some very, there's some what I, I find to be very funny B-roll in it, 
But uh, it's one of those things where it's like you got like you almost have to be there to think the B roll's funny. But uh, dude, it was great. I just like I'm. T- it felt like it was the circus, dude. It was just like, oh, here's our new spectacle. Let's have the two best girls in the park fight to the death right now and just like see what they can lace up. It was sick. Um, dude, they guess they threw some screaming semen's in the mix. Some some cool unique tricks. Missed missed some tricks that they should have had, but it was the last day and it was slushy and it was it was just great. And I think uh, I was talking to I was talking to Jackson about this last night, Jason Dorm, and I was just like I was so happy. And I think uh, a lot like that slush thing. I never thought of that in my entire life, but we just went for it because the opportunity was there. I would, and I was talking to him about people like. Sometimes you're talking to people about great big ideas and they almost feel like they need permission to do something. Like we're not affiliated with slush, obviously. And like, so who are we, who are we to, to steal their idea? But it's like, dude, people have been playing games of snow since like the beginning of the sport, you know? So I was like, fuck it. I give us permission to do it. Like we don't need permission to do it. We're just going to do it. And I think that is like this, that's the message I want to get out there. Like if anyone needs permission to do something in skiing, I'm giving them permission right now to just do it. And if somebody gets mad at them, they could be like, all right, well, Ethan gave me permission to do it. Cause that's the only, that's the only way anything cool ever happens is if somebody is crazy enough to say, yeah, I have permission to start a clothing company. I have permission to make this edit of my friends. I have permission to start a podcast. Cause no one's going to give you permission. You just got to, you got to be crazy enough and like almost like egotistical enough to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm the one to do this right now. And, uh, yeah. Let her rip, rip, bud. What was that? Exactly. I said, let her rip, bud. That's, that's the <laughs> same. It's the same. Um, and honestly, I know Joss is going to be hyped to see an edit, especially a, a ladies slush edit. Because I, I know that's uh, something he's been wanting to do more of, so yeah. he'll be stoked. Other, um, another another question I was thinking of was: so this is your first, or not your first time out the hood, but your first spring pass, like you said. And one of the best things about that is there's skiers from all over North America that show up, and sometimes all over the world. So these might be names that you're familiar with, or in some cases, people you haven't even heard of yet. But while you were out there. Who are some new faces to you or, you know, familiar names, but new faces, whatever, who stood out to you for their skiing, for personality, for anything? Who, who really made an impression on you? Dude. Oh, see, I, I knew a question that like oh, it, of this nature would come up and I wish I had a full prepared list, but uh, I'm better with geography. Like, dude, first of all, most of the people I had never met before in my entire life, never even heard of them, didn't know anything about them. So huge contingent from Vermont, all their Vermont heads, the sugar bush kids are all staying at their Airbnb. It was lovely to meet all of them. A lot of kids from Plymouth, from Plymouth, New Hampshire. Great kids. Uh, a lot of kids from Western Pennsylvania. Uh, trying to think like Pat, Ryan Voyan, <laughs> longtime listeners <laughs> of the podcast, Julian, even though we had a little <laughs> kerfuffle with some snowballs. Great guys, just great kids, super stoked on life. The Midwest kids, the sort of snow kids, Caleb and his whole clan, they were filming an edit. They're awesome. Uh, the dudes, Afro Skier and all those dudes from Washington, those guys are great. Oyster Crew, 
Um, trying to think of just other people, dude. Everyone was just so great and awesome. And there's so many people from camp. I don't even want to try to name all the names just because I don't want to leave anyone out. But like, if you're part of camp, you know, like we spent so much time together. Like I just, it's just all love, man. It's all love for those people. And then the big names, the big names are fun, dude. Obviously you got Andy Perry in the mix. He's a local. Who was he riding with? You got Steve Stepp in the mix. You got, um, dude, Master Curry was in the mix. Seeing Jeff Curry was great because me and him have only ever been online, and it was just a big old hug when we finally saw each other. Jeff Curry, who else we have? Jason Aaron's. He was he was doing filming some surface stuff there. And then this is going to be the third episode where this is mentioned. So we're out of breakfast. We go to zigzag. Which uh, I'm not a breakfast person or a morning person. I mean, I'm just making myself sound like the laziest sack of shit ever <laughs> in this episode. But we went to Zigzag and uh, we pull up and it's like, oh, there's KP. Kevin Perrin's in the cut. What's good, Kevin? He's like, hey, guys, what's up? And uh, there's this big bearded fella holding the door for us. So we walk in. Yeah. Ryan's walking ahead of me. I'm walking behind him. And the me and Ryan both look at each other. And we both look back at this bearded guy. And Ryan's like, yo, what's your name? And he goes, oh, I'm Shay. It was Shay Flynn holding the door for us. And I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> Shay was there with Alex Martini, Alex's wife. It was JoJo's wedding that weekend. So that's why there was a lot of heads in town. Mm-hmm. Trying to think who else was there. Yeah, dude, just... Like familiar faces, not familiar faces, people of all skill levels. Yeah, just the scene was great. And I was talking to Ryan last night and uh, he said that was arguably top one or two just because it was so many new faces. You know, like going to a place where you know everyone, that's fine. But it's like kind of like, ah, we're, we're just doing the same thing we do at home, but in a new place. But when it's new people and you're creating a vibe that has never existed before or may never exist again because it's not going to be the same people at the same time in the same place, uh, magic, dude. It's just that magic that's hard to capture and everyone gets on that same wave. Uh, it was awesome. But I'll never get over how funny it is at Hood seeing all the different crews filming. Dude, that park gets so packed and it's just – you got cameras every which way you got people trying all sorts of different shit people falling on top of each other running into each other it's a it's a vibe for sure yeah oh it did it did really seem like one of the best springs at hood at least for as long as i've been paying attention ryan says one or two uh, it'd be hard to argue with that and another big factor was did you have any rain days this year was it sunny and beautiful every single day day once you got on hill like yeah dude on hill it was sunny and beautiful we had one day at camp where it was raining to be fair our camp experience was a little different because we had an rv we could run into and so we were in in there recording a podcast while the rest of the while the rest of the of camp was outside running under a tarp but uh and ryan (laughs) had the starlink too so if we need you know some emergency calls could have been made lolo's evolving with the times dude the technology there we had Wi-Fi at the camp. It was crazy. But everyone still stayed off their phones, luckily. Yeah, because that's what they wanted. That's that's what you're looking for when you decide to stay in the woods. Uh, and I'm really glad that you did end up camping instead of being in a $3,300 Airbnb. Yeah. For, for, 
I don't think it's spring pass unless you're you're sleeping in the woods. Uh, I know people have different feelings about camping, and I'm happy for them to be in their Airbnbs and be more comfortable. But if if you have the choice and you're someone who doesn't mind smelling like campfire smoke, you gotta be in the woods. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, we, I hope. The people listening to this, first of all, the people listening to this are going to be diehard fans of the podcast because there's no guest. I'm the guest, and usually, usually, you know, when you have when you have when I had you on, people were coming out of the woodwork to listen to that. But this is going to be the diehards, and so if you're listening and you're thinking about it, just do it. Just go. Just go to Spring Pass and do it because there's no I I can't put into words how great it is. It's just it's as great as everybody says it is. It's in, it's a uh, thing. I mentioned this on that Ryan episode, but it's like, if you're going to do one trip in skiing, I've been to many mountains at this point, been to many different events. So I haven't gone to Europe, which I know, I know you're a big proponent of Europe, but if you're going to do one thing, you gotta go, you gotta go spring pass dude. Just do it. Just, just do it. All in how much you don't have to tell me what you spent, but what do you think is the amount of money that you need to do spring pass proper? Ooh, that's a good question. I think if you're coming from the East Coast, let's see. Well, if you're coming from the East yeah. Coast and you're driving, you're easily going to need a couple hundred bucks for gas. Mm-hmm. But when you're there, you could live as cheap as you want, dude. Zero dollars a night to stay. You could be eating... I mean, if you really want to go cheap, you could mooch off of people till the freaking the cows come home. But like, dude, you really it's under it's under a thousand dollars easily. Under a thousand dollars easily. And then depending on what you need, how needy you are, you could obviously the sky's the limit for comfort, but it's you don't need a big bag to do it. And if you're and if you're um in the car factor, dude, like I, I was one person sleeping in my car. If you drive out with four buddies, pack that thing out, split the gas on the way out, everyone sleeps in a tent. Dude, you're looking at just a few hundred bucks to get the whole thing done. Yeah, and that's including your pass, which yeah. I think clocks like thirty now. It's Is like it? I think it was like two sixty nine, all said and done. Yeah. Okay. But that dude, but yeah. honestly, no one takes full advantage of it. That's that's in effect in like March. You have March, April, and May to use that pass if you really, if you really got nothing going on. <laughs> <laughs> I and with that, with that being said, I don't think anybody should go to Spring Pass until it's like pretty much May. If you if you get there early, it's a, it's a different hood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh oh, it's just so it was so fun. It is just um, I'll I'll share this insight with you. Like, I was leaving Hood. I drove like. So we were in, we were at zigzag for our last meal together. And then I drove like past Timberline, like towards Bend to start heading east. So I get this like, great view of hood on the way out. I'm just thinking like, I felt like so full of love. Like it, if I had a cup to be filled with love, it was overflowing. It was just, it was just so incredible. And it's like a, it was just an energy and just something I hadn't felt in such a long time. Just all those people it was all love. I felt so much love for everyone. And uh, I felt like I received so much love and it was so great. And just, it was just that I, like, I can't, there's no other word to describe it. It was overflowing. I didn't have enough to capture how much love there was. And then I was just talking to Twan last night 
And he said the same exact thing. And it's just like when someone else has the same experience as you, you feel so validated. And he was just, and he just told me, he was like, I haven't felt that much love from so many people maybe ever. And it was, uh, and listen, man, I don't know. People are saying this is one of their favorite spring passes. I don't know if I just hit it right or what, but, um, oh, just, just literally overflown with love. It's one of those experiences. It's like you're, it's like being a, in a high schooler and getting drunk around a fire and then be like, Oh, I love you guys. We're gonna be friends forever. It's like that. But at 25 years old, dude, it's just like, you're telling these people you met last week, you love them and you mean it because you do. And, uh, yeah, and then I do that. I just had to DM you because I just find like you're you're so right about skiing. Like you hit all these you like the with the right people. You say and you have to go to hood. Like you're just right about it. There's some experiences that uh, are beyond words. You just have to do it. And uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, another side of it too that I was thinking about. This is for everyone that came up to me. I loved it when kids came up to me and said, hey, you're that two-planker guy. Everyone from the younger kids that were there to the adults that are like, dude, I listen to you every day at work. Thank you. If you're listening to this and you said that to me, I appreciate it because it's that type of feedback that keeps you going. And so I can't even imagine for you, Dan, seeing – your clothing and the things you make and taking that vision and turning it into a physical artifact and then seeing people wear that at hood. Like that's gotta be, that's gotta be incredible. Is it not? It's, it's incredibly flattering. Um, anytime somebody wears the clothes I made, whether it's there here in between, um, quotes in yearbooks of anywhere to the right people, senior pictures with arsenic gear, even like someone shares something on their story and like tags me in it. Like it doesn't take much for me to like feel so great. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate that it, it happens a good amount these days. You know, we got there, <laughs> dude, it's just so great. And like, dude, like I said, like totally not playing it cool. Like I appreciated every instance of that dude. And I just felt like, I always joke about it. It's just a reminder that people are actually out there listening, which is something that you do. You send so much content out into the ether and it's just like, you see these numbers and it's like, Oh, whatever. That's a number. Like then it's like any other number. Like it doesn't reflect that. Like every single one is a person that's listening to it in a different context and interpreting it in a different way. Yeah. Right. You got to break down as, as a creator, being able to look past that number and humanize it so when you get that feedback at hood those numbers become individuals and if you you could have 10 listens on a podcast but if all 10 of those people came up to you and told you that they really loved it you'd be the most stoked so yes. i'm so glad you're able to feel that appreciation and you know fill your cup up and over so you yeah. can keep bumping all the and, and putting in the work that all of us definitely are enjoying. Yeah, dude, it was uh, it was very cool. It was very it was very humbling to say that. Like, it, people were telling me like we listened to episodes all the way out here. Some good feedback. Some guys were like, "Listen, we would have loved to listen to more, but we couldn't hear it." You know. So hey, I'm gonna turn up the volume on the episodes a little bit more for those two kids wherever they were from. I think they were Vermont kids. <laughs> They were like, hey, it could be a little bit louder. And I'm like, listen, guys, I got you. Shoot me a DM next time. I could send you a version of it that's louder for your car. 
Uh, <laughs> dude, it's just, uh, yeah, it's so fun. It's it's fun to be on the other side of that and like geek the fuck out when you see Shay Flynn and just like totally not play it cool at all. Like, yo, can we get a photo with you? Yo, you're him. <laughs> like, just not even play it cool whatsoever. Just totally geek. It's uh, oh. it's too funny, dude. It's just too funny. It was just it was just such a great experience, and it really does. It's a bunch of. It's really it was kind of an older crowd this year. It was it was like a bunch of people in their mid to late twenties acting like children for a week. It was <laughs> it was just so fun, dude. And then also, what I think I appreciated the most, and we were talking about this with Ryan, like because our campground was a little bit older, you didn't have all the antics that come around with people trying to figure out how to get drunk for the first time. You know, there's not people falling in the fire, puking everywhere you know, acting like an idiot. Like the person, the person that I saw that was the most drunk was actually Chris himself, camp counselor, Chris himself. And, uh, did he tackle Jackson at one point? Something, I don't know, but if he's our biggest problem and our biggest asset, we're in really good hands. You know, I don't know what's going on at road 39 with all the 18, 19, 20 year olds, but, uh, there was something about being around a bunch of people that knew how to drink, but that also knew how to keep it under control. It was, uh, that was a huge element of it. And, but then we had 20 year olds in our mix too. And it was shout out to Ryan from Maine. He had that speaking of Shay, like we were talking to Shay in the parking lot and he's like, yeah, I'm living up in Portland. I ride a saddleback. And, uh, we're like, Oh, the guy from our crew rides the saddleback too. And he's the, like the, one of the youngest guys in our crew, 20 year old from Maine. So Shay comes up to Shay walks up to him. And he was like, yo, what's up, dude? And this kid, Ryan, was absolutely geeked the rest of the time. He's like, yo, Shay came up to me. <laughs> yeah, that's an absolute main legend for sure. That's so cool that you got to see him there. And yeah. uh, hopefully him and Shane are going to get some laps in next season. Yeah, dude, you never know. You never know. Um, yeah, man, it's just... Uh, and then the other aspect of it too, it's like, you know, sometimes you meet people and you're like, yeah, that was cool to meet them, but uh, I'll see them when I see them. Like these are the types of people that you meet and you're like, dude, I'd like, let's keep the party going. Like, let's do something else. I want to stay in touch with you. I just, you love them. You just love them. And it's because of that experience. And uh, yeah, dude. I mean, we literally said at the campground, and this is why you you struck gold. We talked about this last time. You struck gold. It's anywhere with the right people, dude. You could be in the shittiest circumstances, getting rained on in the woods. Nobody showered in a week. Everyone smells horrible. Their feet are dirty. They stink. And uh, you're just like, there's nowhere I'd rather be right now because these are the right people at the right place. And it's just uh, beautiful. Matt definitely taught me that along the way. So – I'm glad it rains true still to this day. And I'm sure for many more days into the future. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I got anything else to cover. It was, uh, it was awesome. I was extremely sad to see it, see it go. Like, you know, you know, the vibe where it's like that last breakfast together and you're looking around. I always feel this way, dropping off somebody at the airport. It's like, you're talking, you're talking, you're talking. And in an instant they're gone. And so I thought about that. It's yeah. like, damn, like we're all enjoying this breakfast. And in, in 20 minutes, we all scatter apart and potentially to never all be at the same place at the same time ever again. 
And, uh, and that's, what's powerful. And, uh, a little bit sad about, you know, making friends from all over the place and then all congregating at one place at one time. It's like there's a more than likely chance that this the, the, this congregation of people will never all be at the same place ever again in our entire lives. And uh, but that's what's great about it, man. You know, and, and then another door opens up and then you meet another great group of people and a different combination that just hits the right way. And uh but yeah, I was very, I was very sad to see it go. Yeah, you just left from zigzag, drove up past Hood, and booked it east, huh? Yeah, Ben. Uh, what was the drive home from there? Drive home was horrible. I'll tell you that. I had to be back. I had to be back in Albany, which I know is your roots, University of Albany for a PLL professional lacrosse game that I had to do a little. I had to work in the booth for a little stage managing. So I was originally planning to leave on Monday, Memorial Day. That's the last day of spring pass. So everyone was like, nope, you're staying. So I was like, fuck it, I'll stay. Stayed another day, stayed another night, stayed late for breakfast. All of a sudden, I'm like, I'm a full day behind my drive. So, dude, I'm just trying to think. I'm just trying to map out that drive in my brain. That was Govey. So like Idaho Falls, because I only had like half a day of driving, then Idaho Falls to like the, oh, I also took the northerly route back. Idaho Falls to like the border of North Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. This was it. And then it was from North Dakota to Duluth, Minnesota. And then from Duluth, Minnesota to Albany. And that through the, through the UP too, that was in... That was bad. That was bad. That was like a, that was a, in 20, uh, in 24 hours, I drove 20 of those hours and it was, it was bad, dude. It was, that, that was too much driving. Like I was in, like, and we were talking about how your sense of space and time gets so distorted. I was in Detroit after driving all day and I was like, oh, I'm basically home. And it's like, no. Detroit is not basically home, dude. <laughs> that is still so far away from home. <laughs> like, oh, it was just horrible, dude. It's like you fly to Detroit from the East Coast. You don't drive there. And then I'm eating dinner in Ohio. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a breeze. And then I look on the map and it's like, yes, yeah, six hours until, dude, it's just, yeah, just a different. That next day at work, I was. Like I don't, I hardly even remember work. We were just in autopilot, dude. And the body's incredible, you know. Survival situation: you're on zero hours of sleep, dude. You just do what you need to do, and nothing more, and that's it. You get in and out. And uh, but that this all this actually ties into the future right here. So this is good that we're we're naturally ending on this. So I was I got to Albany. I worked. So then I'm in Albany, and it's like, oh, I could drive back to Connecticut. That's two hours. But I'm like, dude, I prefer sleeping in this car. Like, I like sleeping in this car right now. This is comf- This is this is how messed up your brain gets. This foam pad where I have like a like less than a foot of, of space above me is comfortable. It's actually preferable to sleeping in a bed. So I just like on the way home, I was I was arriving so late at KOAs and leaving so early that. You know, paying for the spot just kind of slipped through the cracks. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm only here for four hours anyway. So I drove from Albany up to Saratoga, found an open spot, slipped in, 
helped myself to a shower, took a nap, not a nap. I slept the night. Then I drove back down. So that was the, that was my first decision where I was like, okay, like I have the, I for sure have the option to sleep in a bed tonight and I prefer to sleep in the car. And, uh, so I got home and I'm like, damn, I would love to go out to Mammoth in July, but I got a car camp and there's no way I'm pulling this deal off with my sister again. Uh, so I'm buying a van, dude. We're in the process of buying a Sprinter. It's partially converted already. It's all insulated. It's got the wood paneling on the inside. I've been talking to the bank all week. We're getting the some cash here, some loans here, some 0% APR credit cards all run through the two-planker business, and uh, we're going to make it happen. So we got we got a, an extra tall, extra long Sprinter coming in, and uh, that's... That's the next step for the podcast, dude. Mobile podcast studio, mobile production studio. It's got a bed in it. And uh, yeah, man, I'm telling you, Hood, when you get that encounter with that feeling anything's possible, you got to act on it. I've felt it a few times in my life. And then every time I just try to hold on to it and just get something out of it and make maybe an impulse decision. But um yeah, just to capture that feeling and then do something with it, and then hopefully it works out. Uh, it's fun. That's what makes you feel like you're alive, in my opinion. Just like fuck it, let's ride the current wave and see how it goes. Sounds to me like uh, your regular job might not be a consideration too soon in the future. You're gonna have a van. You're pretty comfortable sleeping in. You yeah. don't need to worry about paying. Well, dude, it's really um, the regular job is so great because it involves traveling. So it's just like, dude, every time I go into the office, unless it's a local show, every time I go into the office, I got to go to the airport first because I got to go and I got to fly to wherever the hell we're going, you know. So the van is really a great alternative because it's like, oh, well, we have this show going on in Oklahoma, but we can't give you a flight. It's like, well, shit. I can drive there, you know? So this, the van, it just seems like the right time to do it, man. It seems like the right time to do it. And, uh, and who the hell knows? I do. Most of my moves in life are calculated. This is the, probably the least calculated move I've done in a very long time. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> yeah, let's spend a bunch of money on something just because we had a moment of inspiration is, uh, where we're at right now. Well, that's uh I think that's a beautiful place to be and you've gotten this far I'm sure the road isn't ending anytime soon yes yes we're gonna keep pushing forward and that honestly that was another point that I had I wrote down a couple of things last night while thinking just so I didn't come up empty-handed for you prior to this trip again not playing it cool at all prior to this trip I was really questioning what the next step is just treading water, classic mid twenties. It's like, what, where do we go from here? And, uh, I love trying new shit, dude. I'm not the type of person to ever play it safe or like do like the expected route, which is definitely a flaw of mine. It's like sometimes doing what's expected is easiest and what you should actually do. But I was talking to people at hood. I was talking to Parker in particular and he said, like, yo, like, dude, these vans, like, they don't really depreciate that much, especially if you build it out. Like, just buy it, pay into it, build it up. And then when you're done doing whatever you want to do, like, you're going to have something that's worth pretty much the same amount of money that you bought it for, if not more. And uh, 
it just seemed right. Like before I was treading water, you know, obviously got, you know, got things figured out to a certain degree, but it's like, what's next? And, uh, this trip definitely provided some clarity as to what's next and like the next move. And, uh, Dude, it's just a magical place, dude. It's a magical place. You should have seen me just driving around. All I could say is I love it here. I just loved I just loved being there, dude. It's so great. <laughs> We're ready for what's next, man. I want you to keep having this feeling. The the smile on your face is electric. Yeah, dude. I think uh skiing's great. It has a lot to offer everyone, dude. You just, it's, it's like anything in life, dude. What you put in is what you get out. If you, if you give your all to something, it's going to come back to you. And that's dude, that's on a sports team. That's in school. That's with friendships. If they're good ones, that's with your freaking fraternity or sorority at college. That's with your job. If, if that's a good job and they reward, you know, someone that gives their all. It's like, dude, if you give your all to something and you put like just whatever you put out is going to come back one way or another. And I'm sure you have seen that 10 times over. I mean, you've been doing this forever. Yeah, it's uh, so far so good, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we'll keep innovating. We'll keep uh, we'll keep switching it up. I, I Dan, I appreciate so much you suggesting a new idea for the podcast. I love this is a this is a community effort. So when when you say hey, let's try something new, my first thought is let's do it, and we'll see who even cares if people like it. Who cares? Who cares? Who yeah. Cares? You- Yes, that's for sure. Um, so thanks for being my first guest and your 77th guest. <laughs> awesome. Dan, thank you very much. Oh, do you want to plug anything? I know you got a drop coming out soon. Uh, no, I don't need to plug anything. You want to plug anything? Dude, keep an eye out for this women's slush game we got dropping. If this podcast comes out first, that'd be awesome. But check that out, dude. That was a fun thing to be involved with. Okay, that's it then. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in here on the Two Planker Pod. It was another great showing, and Ethan really told us all about the magic of hood. So make sure you get out there yourself sometimes. Boom.